hazy laughter. He nodded here and there at the less absorbed, and as he passed each couple, some half-forgotten fragment of a story played in his mind. For it was not a large city, and everyone was who's who to everyone else's past. There, for example, were Jim Strain and Ethel Demarest, who had been privately engaged for three years. Everyone knew that as soon as Jim managed to hold a job for more than two months, she would marry him. Yet how bored they both looked, and how wearily Ethel regarded Jim sometimes, as if she wondered why she had trained the vines of her affection on such a wind-shaken poplar. Warren was nineteen, and rather pitying with those of his friends who had gone east to college. But like most boys, he bragged tremendously about the girls of his city when he was away from it. There was Genevieve Ormond, who regularly made the rounds of dances, house parties, and football games at Princeton, Yale, Williams, and Cornell. There was black-eyed Roberta Dillon, who was quite as famous to her own generation as Hiram Johnson or Ty Cobb. And, of course, there was Marjorie Harvey, who, besides having a fairy-like face and a dazzling, bewildering tongue, was already justly celebrated for having turned five cartwheels in succession during the last pump-and-slipper dance at New Haven. Warren, who had grown up across the street from Marjorie, had long been crazy about her. Sometimes she seemed to reciprocate his feeling with a faint gratitude. But she had tried him by her infallible test, and informed him gravely that she did not love him. Her test was that when she was away from him, she forgot him and had affairs with other boys. Warren found this discouraging, especially as Marjorie had been making little trips all summer, and for the first two or three days after each arrival home, he saw great heaps of mail on the Harvey's Hall table addressed to her in various masculine handwritings. To make matters worse, all during the month of August, she had been visited by her cousin Bernice from Eau Claire, and it seemed impossible to see her alone. It was always necessary to hunt round and find someone to take care of Bernice. As August waned, this was becoming more and more difficult. Much as Warren worshipped Marjorie, he had to admit that Cousin Bernice was sort of dopeless. She was pretty, with dark hair and high color, but she was no fun on a party. Every Saturday night, he danced a long, arduous duty dance with her to please Marjorie, but he had never been anything but bored in her company. Warren? A soft voice at his elbow broke in upon his thoughts, and he turned to see Marjorie, flushed and radiant as usual. She laid a hand on his shoulder, and a glow settled almost imperceptibly over him. Warren, she whispered, do something for me. Dance with Bernice. She's been stuck with little Otis Ormond for almost an hour. Warren's glow faded. Why, sure, he answered half-heartedly. You don't mind, do you? I'll see that you don't get stuck. It's all right. Marjorie smiled. That smile that was thanks enough. You're an angel, and I'm obliged, loads. With a sigh, the angel glanced round the veranda. But Bernice and Otis were not in sight. He wandered back inside, and there in front of the women's dressing room he found Otis in the center of a group of young men who were convulsed with laughter. Otis was brandishing a piece of timber he had picked up and discoursing volubly. She's gone in to fix her hair, 
he announced wildly. I'm waiting to dance another hour with her. The laughter was renewed. Why don't some of you cut in? cried Otis resentfully. She likes more variety. Why, Otis, suggested a friend, you've just barely got used to her. Why the two-by-four, Otis? inquired Warren, smiling. The two-by-four? Oh, this? This is a club. When she comes out, I'll hit her on the head and knock her in again. Warren collapsed on a settee and howled with glee. Never mind, Otis, he articulated finally. I'm relieving you this time. Otis simulated a sudden fainting attack and handed the stick to Warren. If you need it, old man, he said hoarsely. No matter how beautiful or brilliant a girl may be, the reputation of not being frequently cut in on makes her position at a dance unfortunate. Perhaps boys prefer her company to that of the butterflies with whom they dance a dozen times an evening, but youth in this jasmine...